This is the Coin It Podcast, sponsored by CoinCosmo.com. Have fun like a collector, think like an investor. Whether you're just a hobbyist or looking for an alternative investment with rare coins, paper money, NFTs, or art, your host, Charles Jonath, is covering it all. Now, your host, Charles Jonath. Anthony Phillips Jr. That's me. Corporate executive, all around math guy with, I believe, a master's degree in applied mathematics. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. And ex- sne- major sneaker collector. Big time. Which Big time. fascinates me because being a coin guy and collecting coins for so many years, you know, I'm always fascinated with the collector mindset. Like what, what drives people to want to collect something? What, what gets them into it? And then ultimately, what are the, the skill sets that make them good collectors? You know, like to build like really sophisticated collections, collections of value, that kind of thing. And I'm just blown away, man. I'm so curious about like the whole sneaker world because I know nothing about it. I'm like totally ignorant to it. I know it's a huge market and there's tons of people into it, especially with the resale and all that. It's a huge thing. Yeah, the resale so, is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's why most right? people like it. it. It's funny now. It's hard to, and kind of similar to coins. It you know you don't if you're a collector because you love something. That's different than being a being someone who wants to resell, right? So then right. you're you're looking for the item with the best resale value, not the one that has a personal connection with something that you love or something that you like, right? So that's. Correct, yeah. Nowadays, you know, everyone says that they into sneakers, but you know, you question, are you into the hype sneaker that's worth more money? Or are you into something that you love to design? Or maybe it's a shoe that you wanted from back in the days that that you couldn't have when you was younger. And now as you've gotten older, now you have the money that to to go and get it, right? You don't gotta wait on mom and dad to buy it for you. Right, so right. That to me is is the exciting part when you talk to people that say that they love shoes or they're collectors. That's the first question, right? Do you love the hype or do you actually love the shoe? That's interesting you say that. I mean, do you, you think there could be a bit of both? Because I mean, I know for for me, like as far as coins is concerned, I I like I gravitate towards things that I like and it gives me more knowledge about them because I'm more curious. I, you know, over the time I become sort of an expert in certain areas of coins. But you know, that's that's what drives me there. But I also like from being a professional eventually at this, I've come to a point where I also buy for the right value and I look at it more as an investment, that kind of thing. So I think I've been able to um, to sort of marry the two. And I don't know, do people do that also in sneakers or is it is it more just like a, for a pure love of collecting, you just get, you like what you like and that's kind of it? Or is it a bit of both? So I'm going to start. My answer to that question starts with with this shoe right here. So this is the the Air Penny Foam Posit. Uh, this was the first shoe that I fell in love with. Right, I was a huge uh, Penny Hardaway fan back in the days. Anyone who knows me knows, you know how much you know. I I, I renamed this color. Right, it's obviously royal blue. I renamed it Penny Blue, right? I would <laughs> I would wear clothes in high school and all my friends would be like, oh, he got a Penny Blue shirt on to match his, 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 his pennies, right? All right? So for me, this this shoe, when this shoe came out, I think it was probably like 90, 
95 ish um i didn't have the money to buy the shoe when it first came out this was the first 180 dollars shoe right. and and you know I, I obviously went to my mom and i was like look i need this shoe trust me um you know <laughs> i've been good you know my grades are good like look out for me and 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 it just didn't happen by the time i yeah. had the money for the shoe it was sold out and um and i ended up buying a size 12 now i'm a size 10 so I ended up buying a size you 12. You just wanted wearing, it that bad, right? Wearing the shoe with socks in the front. It was crazy. <laughs> and, and the shoe got all bent up. But so I answered a question and say, great. like, for me, so this shoe is re-released, you know, four or five times. I have it brand new. You know, I haven't even worn this pair. I haven't even unlaced it. Um, just so that I can stare at it. And and because I, I always wanted it, I bought four or five or or maybe eight pairs of the shoe when it, when it re-released and I wore a bunch of them and then I keep a fresh pair at all times. Wow. Um, because that's the collector in me right, right now. Right. There's value in the shoe, you know, these shoes resell for good value, but for me, it's, it's a combination of both, right? Well, like my, my philosophy has always been it, whenever a shoe is released, I'm going to go for at least two right? One so I can wear it and one that I can keep for a while. Now, anything more than two, awesome. okay. that's when I start reselling, right? That's so when it starts to- You to, answered to my back. question already. Like the first, one of the first things when I was thinking about, oh, sneakers, it, it just popped in my mind that like, do you, it's also something you could wear. So do you, you wear these or obviously you want to keep them? I would imagine you want them in mint condition, right? Like as a collector, you don't want anyone to touch them or do you keep them in the box? How does that whole thing work and how do you so, decide what do you keep and what do you, what do you wear? You know, it's, it's a tough one. I think it, it, for me, I, I do it based on outfits, right? So if I'm, so whenever a shoe is released, I hate, I hate wearing the shoe that everybody, that everybody has. It's funny. Um, you know, I got these, these were released today. I'm not going to wear this shoe because everybody's got this shoe, right? Everybody oh, wow. is going to wear this shoe because this shoe just came out today. So if you see somebody walking around with this shoe, it's like, okay, there's a million people walking around with that shoe. Probably not a million. They were a little limited. Um, but so for me, what I do is I'll hold on to them. You know, even if it's a shoe that I have for myself, like this is my pair. Um, I'll hold on to it for a year you know, before I even consider wearing it. So I have, you know, over probably 300 pairs of shoes. So I could wear a different shoe every day of the year if I felt like it. So I don't, right. so for me, I, it starts off with, I don't want to wear something that everybody else is wearing. So I'll hold off on it. And then, you know, if I'm, you know, I put on a new outfit or I'm getting ready to go out and do something, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put on a brand new pair of sneakers. Now I'm going to find something that matches the colors and something that I want to do. Uh, so that's kind of how I approach it. Um, you know, from a, from just being a collector, but I love, you know, when I was younger, I used to, when I first would get a pair of shoes, I would sleep with them in the bed. Like it would be like, <laughs> they would be next to me in the bed. Like that's how much I love the shoe. Like just to work so hard to get the shoe that everybody wants and there's fights yeah. over them. And that's right, been going right. on for years. Um, that when you get it, it's like that prized possession, right? Similar to coins right. when it's difficult to get something, yeah. you, you have more value to it. It means a lot more to you. hundred percent. So, are there shoes that you would never wear? Like, um, there's a couple. There's a couple. Um, there is. I have a a, a Stussy blazer um, dunk that was signed, and an artist drew on it. There was only forty seven pairs in the world, um, wow. and or maybe forty nine pairs. And I was lucky enough to get a pair of those. 
I, I can't see why I would wear that. Right. It, I mean, the artist drew on it. It's signed by him. Um, so, yeah, that one I wouldn't wear. There's a couple that I won't wear. It's to me, shoes are like art. Um, if you if you check my Instagram, uh, Tony Rock Supreme, my my shoe Instagram, I actually have a, a conversation or I asked a question to Virgil Abloh, um, you know, rest, rest in peace. You know, Virgil is, is an amazing designer. Um, the off-white designer, you know, he went on to, to work for Louis Vuitton right. and, and do the men's design and all that. But I went to his museum, um, uh, release in, in Chicago. He had done uh, an exhibit at, at the um, museum in Chicago. And I asked him a question and my question was about resale. And it was about, how people look at his shoes and his his items as art. Right. Now, when when art is resold at Sotheby's, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. This person made a decision to buy this piece of art and hold on to it for years. And now it's worth so much more. Right. And it gets resold at Sotheby's and people celebrate it. It sells for millions and all of that. But it's weird that like the resale value of sneakers and other streetwear items that's tend to be looked upon as like a negative, right? It's like, oh, it's people are getting hurt at the mall from trying to buy these shoes that are worth so much. And so it's this weird, you know, thing that goes on, in my opinion, associated with reselling of shoes. That's a negative thing. Um, but when it's art, right. And people look at some of these, I mean, this to me, this is art. Look at this. This is right. art in a, in, in a form. And obviously we'll transition and talk about NFTs. Um, but to yeah. me, that's exciting, right? Like this, is a piece of art and the ones that this one, you know, I probably will, I'll always have a pair of these that I've never worn just to have to give to my sons um, and, and to hold on for years. But this is art. I will hang this up and put this in, in my man cave in my sneaker room. And, and this is a piece of art, how I view it. So it doesn't have to be worn. It, you know, I look at this as a piece of artwork. That's interesting. You know, I, I always wonder, I wonder that, but do you think that may have something to do with um, the fact that I guess sneakers in a way are a prob uh, product for the general public? So there may be just people that want to go out and wear that sneaker and then they feel like they have to compete against these guys who are going to try and, you know, resell it or build up the hype. I mean, is that is there like that kind of vibe going on? You think that's why or is it or is there something else? No, I think that's probably has something to do with it. You know, when, you know, you ask, it's funny, you know, I've, I've talked to Nike executives and and had conversations. I used to work for Nike um, and thought about going to design shoes for Nike many years ago. Um, loved the brand, always loved the brand. I was a huge Nike fan, you know, from the beginning. And, you know, I talked to the executives and I asked questions about like how they feel about reselling. Because if you think about it, the hype of a shoe Right. Just like the right. hype of an item. Right. The more exclusive it is, you know, the more people want it. If they made 100 million of them, mm -hmm. then no one would care. Right. They'd be sitting in, in Marshall's on discount right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of uh, an exclusive item that's hard to get. Right. Nike knows that. So there's mm -hmm. a part of it, in my opinion, that that Nike understands the hype and understands these collaborations and, and understands the things that are going on when people go crazy over it that improves the 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 Nike brand it, it it makes people want that item and it's like oh man i can't get the jordan that just came out today but i'll get the one that's sitting on the shelf right i'll get something that maybe looks similar and i'm still buying it nike's winning either way right, right. so 
Um, it's interesting, you know, when you think about it. So going back to the, the founder you were saying off white, his name is Virgil. Is that correct? Virgil Abloh. Yeah. Okay. So do, when you asked him that question, what did he, what was his feelings? It was it? a, it was a great response. He talked about when he was a kid. So you, you talk to true collectors or, or true individuals that love the art of shoes. They right. talk about when they were kids, right? I, I showed you the shoe that got me into shoes. It was it was in a magazine. It might have been like a Kicks magazine or Slam back in the days that had an advertisement for the Penny Hardaway shoe. And when I saw that shoe in the advertisement, it was like I had to have it. So Virgil talked about him being a young kid, you know, growing up in Chicago and standing in line. I believe it was Madison Avenue, you know, trying to trying to get the the new Jordan release that was coming out and sleeping overnight, you know, wow. and it's extremely cold in Chicago. Yeah. Getting the shoe. So he talked about the love of that shoe. And, and he wants to design things that when people receive it, they can see the the work that went into it. Right. And, right. and, and feel as if they have that prized possession. So for him, and it was funny because about maybe two months after I'd asked him that question, there was a pair of Jordans that sold on Sotheby's for like a million dollars, like original pair of air Jordan ones. Wow. And it, it, it like started to blow up even more. And in this whole idea of like sneakers and streetwear, becoming these these pieces of art that are worth so much money it's it's pretty wild and, it. and it gets me excited about you know nfts it gets me excited about you know you know everything owning if you're a collector right it's a great right. time to to show i mean look at pokemon cards i mean it's crazy yeah. right all of these things are all connected and it it's it true, brings yeah. us back to our childhood right like that yeah. childhood connection that that makes you want to pay extra when you have the money. Money is just a a, a vessel. It, it it allows you. It gives you access to things. So well, you know, if it's it something is, you really is, uh, really want, you're willing to pay for it. You know. Well, that's the thing. Money in itself is just a store of value. So items themselves can also act like that. Other products themselves can also act as another store of value. It's just it's just all a way of interpreting it. And I think there's a lot of like common ground here. You know, especially in the the realm of collecting, you know, I, I I've had to rethink about a lot of it over time. Like, one of the uh, it helped me a lot being in the business of it, and also coming from a kid actually on the collecting side, it gives you like both perspectives. But then having a background in finance, like it's the merger of all these three mindsets that put me together to see things like more for what they are. And there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things that like that are interwoven here with, with these collectibles and looking at it as a store of value. And I Big think time. as things get, as things progress and as we go forward, that's going to be more important. You know, we're going to have to start really thinking about these things because I think, you know, some of these things will, will help us as other means of to way to store our value over time. And, and one of the things that I wanted to touch on here was it's important to to, to love what you love. You know what I mean? Like, like if there's an item that you want, whatever it is, whether it's shoes or coins or comic books or, you know, pieces of art, whatever it is, if you love it, right, that means something to you, right? It, so sometimes we get caught up in the value, right? And it's like, do I love it more because it's worth more money? Or, you know, that, you know, this phone posit here, if, it, this shoe, maybe it goes down into value of $15. It doesn't matter. Like the story right. that I told about wanting this shoe in a size that wasn't mine just to have it and still wear it. 
it, that means something to me. I don't care what the world says it's worth, right? right? It means right. something to me. This is how I hold value to it. So I think that's important when making purchases is that it's a good purchase if you love it. 100%. If it's something you 100%. really want, something you've always wanted. You know, I love basketball cards. I collect basketball cards. And there were cards that I wanted when I was in high school that I couldn't afford. I didn't get them in a pack. I, I You know, it, it was like four or five, six hundred dollars you know, to buy it after. And it was like, I couldn't afford that then. Now I go out and I buy those cards. The cards that I wanted when I was in high school, I go buy them. Maybe the value went up, maybe the value went down. It's irrelevant to me because I've always wanted it. Now I own it. Right. Right. That's what it's worth to you. That's the most important part. And then listen, they'll they'll reach a time and day where you want to value your collection of whatever it is. And man, maybe it's worth a lot. Maybe there's other people that want the same thing that you wanted, or maybe there isn't. Right. But, but to me, I think as a collector for anything, um, start with what you love. Right. And then the value will come, right. You know, things will, will, will happen over time, but if you start with what you love, it doesn't matter if it goes up or down because you love it. Right. It's something you want it. 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, so you you answered actually another one of my questions. I mean, there are sneakers now that are seeing the auction block, like they're they're being sold at auctions and everything, huh? It's pretty wild. Yeah, wow. there's the the sneaker industry. It's a multi billion dollar um, resale market. Um, it's wild. It's it's why people you know are fighting and you know going crazy over 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 these items because you can go get them they're at the stores right when they release they're out there and you know the value i mean you think about it people are are you know there's a lot of people unemployed there's a lot of people that just decided i want to work for myself i want to have my own business so there's a lot of people that started businesses around reselling and you know you can make you know double triple four times the amount of what you're paying so you buy a shoe for $200 i'll round up if you could resell it for 400, 600, that's not bad. You yeah, bring a couple yeah. people with you, you know, you, instead of buying one, you buy 10. So you get, right. you know, $300 profit times 10, $3,000 for that day. I mean, you sitting pretty and wow. you know, it's, it's, there's so many uh, places to sell it now between stock X and eBay and, and, and different mm-hmm. places to sell things. People got their own websites. They use Instagram, you know, to, to, to sell stuff that they have. I mean, it's, People are making a living off of it, and I love it. I think it's I think it's amazing. It's it's a great way to be an entrepreneur. If you're a hustler, you know you can right. you can sell anything and do something you're passionate about. Yeah, 100%. and and be your own boss, right? You know, be your own boss yeah. and, and the, make your own hours. There's you a know, lot of benefits wrong with to that? it, right? <laughs> you get, you don't have someone Absolutely. over your shoulder telling you what to do. Of course, there's many challenges with running your own business, but. Um, what do you think, like, uh, what is the most expensive sneaker you've ever heard of selling for? Or? Um, uh, probably that Jordan one that recently sold on Sotheby's, it was, it was a few million dollars, wow. um, uh, which is crazy. It was like original, original Jordan, um, shoe. There's a lot. I mean, there's it, it, so it goes by like just how many exist. It goes by, you know, how exclusive they are, how old they are. Um, there's so many variables into, into the value of a shoe. Um, but there's plenty of shoes. I mean, uh, a $3,000 shoe, $5,000 shoe, that's like, they're around, there's a bunch of them, you know, there's, I got a bunch of them in my house that I have, that I've, I've held on to. So, um, wow. there's, a, there's shoes that, that have value for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really, and so like, as far as the market is concerned now, and then going into 2021, I mean, where, where is it at? Like, where do you, 
where you see it. I, I think or- it's funny. So this is a great transition. And, I, and what I'll say to you is that the sneaker community, uh, the sneaker resale community uh, has now decided that they're going to focus on NFTs. What? Really? NFTs? It is wild. So, So, okay. So explain that exactly because like, I'll I'll break down. How do you make a sneaker like into an NFT and then the rights of that? Like, don't. I I got you. It seems complicated. Like, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. So let me, let me rephrase it. I wanted to kind of give you that hint and then, and give you that little tidbit and then, and then I'll explain. I'll elaborate. So yeah, go ahead. There's a thing called Discord. Right, Discord is an app yeah, that yeah. Uh, you can you can use to communicate. Um, you know, similar to WhatsApp and all of the different apps that are out there. Right. Um, in Discord, you know, there are sneaker discords. There's sneaker resale discords. There's some oh, wow. amazing. Okay, ones. so you're a part of channels on Discord that I, like talk I'm, about. I'm I'm definitely a part of a uh, bunch of them. Um, Secret Sauce is one of my favorites. Uh, they're they're actually really really good, and so with them, are you they know, private groups and, or public groups? So most of them are semi private. You do have yeah. to be invited. Um, they do have open enrollment at times. Some of them have you know thousands of of you know members that are paying monthly. You know, wow. ten dollars, fifteen, fifty dollars a month. Thousands of members. What exactly um, is the advantage to, to of that? Like they, they give so you information, like where they give information, are at, or they give information. They give information uh-huh. of where, how to get the sneakers. So that's why it's so hard to get sneakers is because there's these communities that are sharing information on what the stores may have, um, what releases are coming out, what stores are going to have them, um, uh, restocks when, when shoes pop up again in the store, um, uh, websites and where you can get it. And then there's bots, right? The bots are, are, uh, designed to, uh, add the shoes to your cart faster than any human can do it. And, and it's selling out in, in a half a second, right? You ever try to go get something oh, and it's man. like, what the heck it's gone. Like, so they're creating so software bots. to uh, sort of arbitrage this stuff, right? There's, there's bots that, that, you know, wow. and, and the brands are trying to That's fight crazy. the bots and, and stop the bots from, from winning the shoes and, and getting all that, trying to get the shoes into the hands of rural collectors that, that actually love the shoe. Um, but anyway, these discords have all of this information, right? Amazing wow. information um, to, 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 to point you in the right direction to get the shoe. So people are paying the money, you know, whatever it is, 15, you know, dollars a month, $30 a month, $50 a month to gain this information. All you got to do is win one shoe mm-hmm. based on this information and it pays for itself. And, and a lot of these discords, you're going to, you're going to win more than you lose because of this information. So it pays for itself. Got it. In those discords, most of them have now added an NFT channel. So if you look at, because you think resale, we're just, we're just talking resale. These are individuals that started a business around reselling an item. I buy an item that's exclusive. I get access to it by my means of getting access to it. And I resell it for more money. Right. So what's happening is that the NFT world, the crypto world, the stocks, right? NFTs and crypto have have skyrocketed over the last year, right? NFTs really came into came into place here Definitely. over the last year. It became real. Um, you know, it's been top of mind to a lot of people. Still very early in it, but people are focused on NFTs now. This right. world of reselling sees that as an opportunity to make money, and and now that they have the bots to to 
to go faster, right? To make the purchases faster. You can have those same bots. They have a bot now that sweeps the floor of OpenSea. So if you think about, Uh so I don't know if you've read it, someone sold, uh, I believe it was a Board 8 Yacht Yacht Club um, NFT for like $300 or or something crazy. This happened like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. because they made a mistake, right? They, 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 They left out a bunch of digits. And it and it hit the market for sale. And wow. I think it was a bot that bought it immediately, right? Like didn't even allow the person to make make the change because wow. they have these bots that once it hits a certain threshold, you automatically buy. You <laughs> store your information and, and your information is stored in there. And so what's happening with the sneaker community. So there's already seeing, there's already algorithmic trading in the 100%. NFT world. Hundred percent. It's been going on. Yeah, of course. We can't stop and these I guys. Believe, <laughs> I believe it is in my maybe because I'm in the sneaker community. Uh-huh. I think the sneaker community dictates some of the things that are happening, and oh because goodness. there's such a focus in the discords around NFTs now that people are seeing that as a better value well, than shoes. So to answer your original question, what do I think is happening in 2022? Mm-hmm. And as we go on, shoes, I think the value is starting to come down. Like the pricing is starting to come down because there's only but so much money, you know, these individuals may have. So they're selling shoes for a smaller profit so that they can have the money to go buy the NFTs, which have a bigger profit margin right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. So like the NFT market is sort of is stealing the thunder from the collectors and 100%. Because that is the same cash, it's the same capital. So these individuals right. that have the information, they're they're onto they're something grabbing else now. it and they're on to something else. So you're getting shoes for a great deal because they're taking that money and putting it into NFTs and crypto. Got it. Wow. That's it's wild. But Discords are like if anybody's focused on an NFT or or looking into an NFT or understanding it, join the Discord for that NFT. Oh yeah. So every yeah. NFT has a Discord, as you know, and and there's the community that's in that Discord, and they're and they're and they're talking about the roadmap and stuff that's coming. Hugely Trust valuable. Me, man, that Hugely. is yeah. the sneaker world. If you think it was difficult for you to get a pair of Jordans, it's going to be as difficult for you to get these NFT drops as they're coming out because it's the same people. Yeah, definitely going into that and going into that market and and winning wherever they go. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting, man. So they, it's the whole crypto phenomenon is is taking a lot of people away from a lot of different things. I think even in our world, like not so much in rare coins, but I see a lot of the bullion guys, a lot of people that would have been buying gold just started buying Bitcoin and Ethereum and different cryptos that that otherwise would have probably been in the gold market. So I think it's happening across collectibles that the the general like crypto world is stealing a little, you know, it's stealing everyone else's thunder in a way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's wild because if you follow it, it it's, so I love Gary V, you know, he, he's the one that I would say got me into NFTs, you know, listening to him. Okay. He, um, that's the YouTube guy, right? I think. Right? Yeah. Gary V. Uh, right. Yeah. Gary V. He was, he started out as like, um, uh, selling wine. He had, he had a wine shop and he was doing wine reviews on, on YouTube in the very early stages and had got a really big following and had a lot of people follow him and he's got a huge following, but you know, I got into NFTs because of him. Um, company I was working for, um, uh, we had access, we were doing some business with the New York jets. Um, and, and they invited me to a talk 
it was like maybe 20 of us uh, of vendors and partners of the Jets. And Gary V had given a talk there. This was in May of this year, mm. uh, May or June of this year. And uh, I, that's how I started with NFTs. That's how I started to understand it. And get, so Gary V makes a comment that I love and he talks about history repeating itself. And he, and he says it's not, he's not smarter than everyone else. He just understands history. He studies right different different phases of history of 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 different spikes and and where there's been success or yeah, trends, how things yeah. happen and trends and then he applies that into things that he may see as where the future is going right um and i say all that to say that that's very similar to to why you see a transition from folks on collectibles and 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 realizing the value in the hold of a crypto or the value in an nft and 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 applying some of the same tools that allowed them to be successful in what they've been collecting or what they've been doing, they could apply those same, you know, uh, trends or same tools and win in the crypto and NFT space. So it's like, why wouldn't I go after what's hot if I already have a recipe to win? Right. Because they're coming in with a skill set because they've already been in the game somewhat. They're taking their their knowledge of buying and selling and how that works and getting ahead. Yeah, no. Definitely. I mean, I get it a hundred percent. Like, so the, the the main thing for me is like, you know, I, I've been doing, I've been focused more on coins and rare coin NFTs and stuff like that. But in the art world, I, I think, you know, I, it's just going to be something similar to, to what art sort of is. Like you'll have a lot of NFTs that probably will, will not manage, you know, will not wind up meeting its expectation essentially. And then others like prominent collections, Obviously, all the early first generation NFTs, that stuff over time is going to, you know, just increase in value, you know. But I think a lot of the a lot of the NFTs will just probably go into nowhere. You know, it's kind of like a boom. These there's these little micro booms happening right now, and it, it, it sort of has to similar, sort itself out. Yeah, it's very similar to um, the dot com era, right? And right. what happened in the late '90s, right? I mean. I'm a little older, you know, uh, AOL, you know, dial yeah. up, you know, logging in to get access to try yeah. to be on IM, you know, AOL Pets. instant messenger. You remember Pets. Yeah. yeah. Right. They so were like, huge. so that was, you know, so then it's like, then it was like the dot-com boom and everything was going crazy. And, and you look at it and it, obviously there's a few champions that stand out that were around then that are mega conglomerates today. Um, but there were a lot that didn't make it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very similar. Again, history repeating itself, very similar to what's going to happen, you know, with crypto and NFTs that there are, you know, some that, you know, I think I've read somewhere that it's like 90, you know, 8% of NFTs are are not going to be worth anything. Right. So that kind of goes back to what I said earlier and like buy what you love. Right. Because if you love something and it's it's a part of who you are, if it goes up in value, great. If it doesn't, you still love it. You're not stuck with you know, you know, things that you don't love, right? It's <laughs> exactly. like, ah, oh, I bought this because it's going to go up. And it's like, then that's where things get a little fuzzy, right? But if you stick mm-hmm. to the things you love, you know, for me, like I said, I try to buy two of everything and I, I had the same philosophy in shoes. So now I got the same philosophy in NFTs, right? So mm-hmm. like, as I'm going into something, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is going to be in the 2% that makes it, you know, 20 years from now, but I bought two of them and you so know, we'll does, see where it goes from there. How does the price discovery work on that stuff for you guys? Because in, in coins, it's very defined. Like you, there, you can look at, there's a lot of history in this stuff. So auction records going back, 
you know, we have the benefit of that. Like, but how does that sort of work in the sneaker world? Is there something similar um, to that? And then yeah, NFTs, so I know we know it's the wow, wow west, but as yeah. far as sneakers are concerned, like what is the, is there some sort of inter- industry standard basically on pricing or figuring out what the prices are and what a sneaker's worth? And Yeah, so StockX is is it's it's actually called the stock act it's called the stock market of of things or the stock market of items stock so stock x, x stock x yeah stock okay. x is is and it's funny because stock x they they started selling basketball cards and baseball cards and football they started i think they might even have coins on there now stock mm-hmm. x is becoming more of an open marketplace where if if, if it, people want it StockX wants a little piece of it, right, to, uh-huh. to do it. But so what happens there is, you know, a month or so before release, somebody will get the shoe early um, and they'll put it on StockX. So mm-hmm. you can reach out to StockX and say, hey, I have such and such item. I want to I want to list it. And, you know, most of the time StockX will take it because StockX is just a platform, right? StockX is uh-huh. going to make money on every transaction, no matter what. So it's like so an eBay it's an kind item, of thing, right? It's just like eBay, uh-huh. yeah. It, so it's, it's a like competitor, eBay. Yeah, it's competitor, but it, but eBay, you know, eBay, you know, started out more on the, on the bidding, right? And mm-hmm. kind of setting the value of what something is based on what people are willing to pay for it. Um, StockX is you will list something for a price that you want to sell it for. And somebody could buy it for that price or they can list what they want to pay for it. Right. So let's say, you know, that this shoe here, you know, I'm saying it, I, I would sell this shoe for a thousand dollars. So if there's no other, you know, size 10 for sale, then my shoe is the one available on stock X. If somebody comes in, if you come in and say, Oh, I like that shoe, but I'm not paying a thousand dollars. I'll give you 500. And if no one else is saying that they want a size 10, you list, you're willing to pay 500. Uh-huh. Now, once you list that, I have a choice. I can look and say, all right, do I want to sell it for 500? Interesting. Definitely not happening. And it'll just sit there, right? Your uh, uh, value of what you want to pay will just sit there. What I want will just sit there until somebody buys it. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, sometimes people, you know, with, with the new, you know, hype shoe that that just came out or... There's so many of these right now, right? That like these are on StockX and they're selling. If you go on StockX right now, they're selling every minute. There's another one being sold because there's so many of them available. People getting them. And, and when there's so many people are saying, all right, maybe this shoe is worth $500. Right, right. But if you say, I'm willing to pay, you know, $450, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like this back and forth between buyers and sellers. And then there's somebody that might say, man, I only paid $180 for this. Of course, I, you know what? I'll take 450. Uh-huh. I'll take the 450. And then that's when the market starts to go down or go up. But stock X is a great way to judge where the market is going to be on a shoe. And like I said, stock X is adding other items to what they have available. For so is, is all the price, you could see what items sold for a public record yes. on stock? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That goes back to your point of having a history. So stock mm-hmm. X then goes back maybe like two years, three years. So you could see Got the value over time um, from when the release first came out to where it is today. And you can go in there and and see that. But then they also have like older shoes. They have like shoes from like 2005, like, you know, the Yeezy um, Nikes when, when, mm. when, when Kanye was with Nike, he had some, some Yeezys. I mean, those are like 4,000, 5,000, 10,000 dollars that they're selling those for. And that shoe came out well before stock X was, was around, but right. people who have the item can go on there and, them on there, and yeah. put it for sale. Yeah. So, and, and, and the way StockX does it is if I want to sell that shoe, 
as soon as you and I agree on the price through the, the we never meet each other. It's mm-hmm. it's literally bubbles showing pricing, right? Once that pricing is is it matches and you guys you click buy or I click sell, mm-hmm. um, then I get a notification from StockX to send the shoe. So I ship the shoe, the shoe in the box with all of its accessories mm-hmm. and and send it to StockX. StockX validates wow. and and you know will 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 you know authenticate the shoe. And then they'll send it to to you, the buyer. So how does the um, settlement people, work? Like the price, like uh, it, it, it all goes through. It all goes through their system. So as soon as they receive uh-huh. the shoe and the shoe is real, um, and there's some stories about that as well. Um, yeah, like, because there's a lot of fakes. There's a lot of fakes with shoes. Um, I can imagine. And yeah. StockX has been known to sell some fakes. So to all my you know sneaker reselling folks out there, they're like, man, he's talking a lot about StockX. We don't even like StockX. <laughs> um, StockX gives the value of the shoe, mm-hmm. but people prefer to sell it and buy from a reputable person directly so that they don't have to deal with StockX or pay the StockX fees. So that's the thing. Um, you really have to know what you're doing because how do you identify what's what's a fake and what's not? I mean, I would imagine now they're making really good fakes of stuff. Oh, uh, the fakes are ridiculous. I got a, a buddy of mine that that every time he loses uh, on getting a sneaker release, he says, I'm going to get mine from China. He got a <laughs> connect in China that, that gets him the shoe I, I won't put him out there. I'm not going to give his Instagram, but that's what he does. Every time he right. loses, he's like, whatever, I'm getting it from China. Um, and, and his fakes, they, I guess, look good to him. You know, I'm because right. I'm a sneakerhead. I, you can smell a difference for me. Like if you, you know, really right away, into yeah. shoes, I can know right away. I can look at, like, uh-huh. I laugh at people sometimes. I'll look down and be like, that shoe is fake. And I'll have <laughs> friends be like, wait, how do you know it's fake? I'm like, nah, it's definitely fake. <laughs> so like, I don't mess with the fakes, but there are a lot of good fakes out there and some of them have passed through StockX before. So it's yeah, like, I can imagine. that's another reason I'm excited about, you know, the NFT world and, 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 you know, the authenticity and the blockchain and, and that's the value. So when I'm talking to people uh-huh. and they say, well, why is NFTs going to work? Or why do you believe digital assets are yeah. that whole idea of, I mean, fakes have been around forever, not just with shoes. I mean, there's, I'm so the guy. No, definitely. I mean, we the, got, we got Chinatown in New York where they selling fake Gucci bags and Fendi bags and they've been doing that forever. Right. So right. like that's existed. People have, have gone out and, and had access to, to the fakes forever. So right. it just, it's an interesting, but with an NFT, there ain't no, they ain't no Chinatown for, for NFT, you know? Right. <laughs> but not even that, like, think about it. The, the, the blockchain technology as itself, the utility aspect of it. Like, if you have a really expensive shoe, maybe a good way to verify that it's the authentic shoe, you can transfer ownership by transferring the NFT itself. So if you associate an NFT with, or some form of blockchain technology with the actual shoe itself, then you can sort of verify ownership. I think, so that's I think there's a so whole utility aspect to it, this that a lot of people aren't even thinking about. It's funny you say that because you know I talked to a couple of Nike executives and you know I think it, it's funny because Nike's getting into the metaverse and all of that. They they got like I think it's called like Nike Land or something like that, and they partnered with you know some really good um, you know meta companies, meta metaverse companies, and. Um, I think there's value there. I think there is, you know, value in wearables. I think, you know, could you just imagine purchasing a shoe and not only getting the physical shoe, but also getting the the digital version of that shoe so that my avatar, right? In the future, these podcasts, I could be sitting here with my avatar and I could be showing you, you know, you know, my cool sneakers or, or my nice, you know, clothes that I'm wearing. 
through my avatar, but, you know, making the physical purchase and also getting the digital asset to, to validate the, the value or the worth of that, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. Right. Uh, definitely. So, like, I, I know that when you were a kid, you, you, and during high school, like, you know, everyone's usually you get a high school job and that kind of thing that is, you had a job working for Foot Locker. Is that right? Or is that yeah, what got you so started into this whole thing? Or what, what got me started was this shoe here, uh, being $180 when I was in high school. And I said, if I, so I need to work so I can buy these shoes. So my first job was McDonald's, uh, second job, I worked in the library, uh, and that was horrible. Uh, cause I, I had to be quiet and I'm just not a quiet person. Uh, then my third job was I worked at, I worked at foot action and I worked there just so I can get discounts. Cause it was like, it was crazy to me that you can get Got 30% it, okay. off. So, so now this already in the shoes. shoe, I was in the shoes because I love the, the sport, you know, Nike does a great job at selling, you know, their athletes and, and the performance of the shoe. I played ball, you know, in high school and, you know, these are the shoes I wore, you know, uh, right. you know, I wore Penny Hardaway shoes because that was the player that, you know, I thought I wanted to be, you know, before I stopped growing in ninth That's grade. So, um, but yeah, so I worked at Foot Locker and, and, and Foot Action so that I can get discounts on the shoes. And then it was crazy because that was my first endeavor really into sales. Right. If you look at my background, I've sold on so many levels and it was, it was selling shoes, which yeah. really got me into selling. And, and if you're selling a product that you love so much, you can speak so passionate about it. So I was such a, right. such a good shoe salesperson because I would tell you about the shoe. I would, I would help. Like it's one thing, somebody walking in to buy a pair of Jordans, they buying them, they know what they want, but I, I loved selling, you know, Air Maxes and other performance shoes when people weren't really sure they needed a shoe to perform a task, whether it was work, you know, I had nurses that would come in and say, Hey, I'm on my feet all day. What should I buy? Or, Hey, I got wide feet. You know, what should I get? And new balances right. are great for people with wide feet. And so like understanding a shoe, not just about the hype or what everybody says is cool, you know, but it's also about the performance and what that shoe can do for you. And that's why, you know, I, I became really good at sales because I was, I understood the product, mm -hmm. right. And once you understand the product, then you could yeah. sell it. Right. And for me, so I don't, I don't like to talk about sales. I focus more on helping people make a buy decision, right? Because no one likes to be sold. Everybody hates a used car salesperson. But if some, if you're helping somebody make a buying decision, they're going to always come back to you. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with that. Like, I think that's also what makes you a good collector too. It's, the, it's really the attention to detail in the product. Like, I, you know, I was digging a bit into your background and I noticed one thing that stood out right away is you were a controlled uh, sales engineer for United Technologies. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing that position, you have to be able to work uh, with the engineering team on the technical aspects of the product itself, but also you're focused on sales and dealing with the salespeople who are not engineers. So you kind of have to bridge that gap in between the two. And I think that makes you understand what not only the consumer wants, but also you understand the structure and the attention, the detail of what makes a product really good, you know, and I, that's, that's really an important skill set if you want to be a really good collector, I think. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that comes out all the time because then you'll see something that you'll see in pictures and you'll be like, wow, that's amazing. And then you get it and you'd be like, oh, they messed this up. The, right, the quality, right. the materials that they use. Like I said, that's how I could tell the difference between the fake and the real. I could smell the difference, right? So like, when you're a really good, you know, value of, of material and, and a product, 
it, it, it helps you be a great collector. And it also helps you understand the future value, right? Mm-hmm. If you know something is nicely made, they did a great job with this collaboration or whatever it is, you're like, this is going to go up over time. And that's where it, it, you start to make those decisions on, you know, those financial decisions on, you know what, let me buy more of these because this is going to go up more. And that's the, the sign of a great collector that can tell the difference between, you know, something that's not made as well right. and something that is, or just the value, right, right. Of, of what it is, depending on, you know, the item that you're collecting. Definitely. We can't lose sight of that. So like, even in the NFT world, we have to remember, I think, not to get caught up in like this whole new thing. Like NFTs are just another thing to collect. It's a new paradigm for for collecting. So if we if we come to if we approach that whole that whole NFT world with the with the same mindset and skill set as a collector going back, we can we can understand it a lot simpler, you know what I mean? You look for value and what you perceive to to have value and then and then over time that winds up bailing you out because you'll you'll buy correctly. You'll buy accurately. You'll buy something that will hold the test of time, so to speak. And it, and it's, and it, when it's personal to you, it allows you to tell that story. Right. You know, when my son gets older, um, you know, I'm going to be able to talk to him about, you know, what these shoes meant to me and, and that story of buying two sizes too big and, you know, wearing it with socks and, you know, having socks in the front and, you know, the shoe ended up curving up in the front. It was, it was crazy, but, um, but I could tell those stories. Right. And then now I can hand this over to him and say, Hey, you go, this is, you know, you can wear it, you know, here goes your size or something like that. I think having stories and and things that you could hand down. I mean, that's the value of a collection. I remember collecting basketball cards. There was a, there was a guy, man, he, he, he had to be like, at least 80 years old back in the days. Um, right. And, and Gary, man, he, his son was super cool and his son, Dustin, and and we used to, in Staten Island, New York, we would have trade nights and we, we'd go and bring cards and we'd be able to trade each other. Um, and, and I always thought it was so cool that, that Gary had all of these old cards from like 20 years ago. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is, this is a legend. Like, how do you have this old Magic Johnson or this old Larry Bird or this, you know what I mean? And right. I want to be that for my son, right? I want to be that when he's hanging out with his, you know, friends and all of that, that he could say, wow, like you got that. Maybe it won't mean anything. Who knows, right? With, with the kids today. But, um, you know, just to have it, I think it's, oh, it's pretty cool. And if you buy things you love, um, then the value can change over time, but it still holds that value in your own heart. And I think that's what's most important with collecting. No, definitely, man. I that's, and it's cool. And you're you're it's part of your legacy too. You know what I mean? A building and oh, acquiring yeah, collection, and it takes time. Like some of those are probably super hard to get, or you're, they're not available anymore. You know, you're probably sitting on shoes that be very difficult for people to get. I would imagine. Probably like ninety five percent of my collection is <laughs> things that wow. people can't have. So that's why people always think it's crazy. Like you know wow. when I show them, you know, what I got or or what I have. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know? And again, you know, I I make purchases based on the things that I like, the things that I love and the colorways and different things, you know? Yeah. If I end up with, you know, sometimes, you know, you enter in raffles, you're doing a bunch of things and, you know, or or I get a phone call from a store that says, Hey, we got a pair for you holding them because we know you love them. 
If I get 10 of those phone calls, I don't need 10 of the same shoe, right? So like, got it. Yeah, okay. I'm a reseller. So and, some and stores, they got you already down as a client. They already know. They're going to call you first, huh? Yeah, of course. Wow, Come wow. on. You can't. Okay. It, 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 the shoe game, uh, you know, the the hype wear, I got a lot of Supreme stuff. Um, it's all about relationships, right? You know, that's how people really get it is to get that phone call. Like, wow. yo, I got your pair. I'm holding your pair with your name on it. There's a lot you know, of parallels that, there, yeah. But you think though that it it is that's the way it should be, right? If you know that somebody's a real collector, if you know right. that you know the 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 shoe that that Ant loves is being re released, I'm of course I'm going to hold his size, right? Because that's just I have a relationship with this person. It's not every shoe, it's not every release, it's not every you know. But people look out, and then there's. There's transferable things, there's trades, right? Again, this goes back to me being in high school, going to trade nights for basketball cards. It just became a part of who I am. And right. and it's funny because I could talk about this and I love all of this. And this is the side hustle. This is this is for fun. I'm in corporate <laughs> yeah. America leading engineering firms and right and and businesses. But to me, I bring the same, I bring the same lessons that I learned then into corporate America and, and tying that together and in, and as I'm coaching sales mm-hmm. teams and leading operations folks and, and, and running businesses, it's all about relationships. It's all right. about understanding, you know, the, huge the, part, the yeah. needs of, of your clients and, and, and then, and then delivering, right. Delivering mm-hmm. that, that item that, that your customer wants to me, it's all tied together. Right. So everything that I've done, it becomes easy for me, because uh, it's second nature to me. Right. I'm easy. It, 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 you know, it's easy for me to do these things. So quick question. Like, does the size of a shoe affect the value of a shoe? Like, oh, big time. Really? Big time. Okay. So, oh, so like, what is the, how does that work? Like, what's the most desire? What's the most expensive size? What's the most desirable size? Like, that's a phenomenal question. And all my sneakerheads is going to laugh when I say this. Mm. Um, before the pandemic, before the pandemic, the best sizes, and we'll just talk about Jordans for now. Okay. Uh, the best sizes were the small sizes, sizes eight through nine and a half, because the market in China, crazy. China's the biggest, before the pandemic, China was the biggest uh, uh, market for, for reselling or, or, or buying shoes. So wow. they would send- Interesting. They would stores and 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 it's crazy because that's where a lot of the shoes are made. So I don't understand it, but they want yeah. the 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 shoe that came from America was started in China or whatever, and then it comes to America <laughs> and I guess gets the uh-huh. Nike stamp. Whatever they do, I don't understand it. They would send people to be buyers in LA and in Atlanta and in New York and in Chicago and all of the big markets to buy the shoes. So at that time, they were the biggest buyers. So between size eight and nine and a half from a men's perspective or seven and a half to to nine and a half, those were worth the most. After the pandemic, during the pandemic, right? um, They stopped buying. It, 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 they were not buying at the same rate. Mm-hmm. All of, you know, everyone's, you know, Chinese connect and Chinese buy. I mean, they would buy in bulk. I got pictures of Yeezys where we sold me and my team, my great team. Um, we sold, we sold 60 pairs, one release. We had 60 pairs of Yeezys and we sold them to one buyer. We wow. cashed out. Like we had to bring, we had to bring the marker. 
we ended up buying a money machine after because we had we was getting so much cash. It was crazy. And, and that was our Chinese buyer, right? During the pandemic, they stopped buying. Huh. So what happened was it transitioned. So the size went from eight to nine and a half. Now all the big sizes because they make yeah, they make less of the big sizes. So there's less of them. It was always that case. But yeah. now that the Chinese market is not buying as much, the value of the bigger sizes has trumped the small sizes. So now you ask a reseller, they're all going for the 13s, the 14s, the 12s, because sometimes a store will have 50 pairs and they only get one size 13. So that one obviously is worth more than the others. So that's what happens most of the time in like a Nike SB, um, the skateboard shoes, they don't even make really big sizes. So that's an exclusive size to have. You get a size 12, 13 in the SB. That's like, you know, that's like gold. That's like, you know, the the Holy Grail. You're like, oh my gosh, you got a 13 in that SB? Wow. Yeah, hold on huh. to that one. Um, so now the bigger sizes are worth more. Um, and, uh, but again, for me, I always go for my size, you know, so I'm a size nine and a half, 10, um, you know, 10 and a half, depending on the shoe. And then it's like, again, if the value goes down or up and if it's something I like, and if I can't resell it, if I, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I'll just throw it on. I'll wear it. You so, know, if I buy size eight, so I'm stuck. What am I going to do? You know, I buy 13. What am I going to do? I can't wear that. So, um, so that's just how the market is today. Interesting. So is there a big, like, a lot of activity in, in women's shoes as well, or oh, big time. So big it's time. the same so, thing. So women, women complained. Nike made a big push to do something for the ladies. You know, I would say, man, over the last year, um, last year, the year and a half, just in general in the world, women empowerment has been phenomenal. Right? It's been mm-hmm. in the forefront of like finally fixing a lot of the wrongs in the world when it comes to to women in general not getting their due with everything, right? That's another conversation. That's a different podcast. Um, But Nike focused on um, uh, the women's shoes. So now they got shoes that are just for women, women's sizes. So they'll have shoes that only go up to a size 12. A size 12 in women's is a 10 and a half in men. So I mean, on the resale side of things, like, is it a big? Okay, all right. Absolutely. So what happens is Nike would release really cool colors of, of a great shoe and make it women's only. Virgil uh-huh. had an amazing women's shoe that came out of Jordan 4 and all of the men wanted it, right? Men were like trying to fight to get the shoe and, mm-hmm. and it, they didn't have their size because they didn't make them that big. But mm-hmm. yeah, Nike's tapping into to it. And, and it's funny because women, from a resale perspective, women, when they find something they want, they used mm-hmm. to paying a lot for items when it comes to bags and other other things that they'll pay. They'll pay whatever to get the item that they want. Got it. So that's that's another thing in the resale world that where people are focused more on the women's sizes um, because they have women clients that want the shoe. And if they can't get them, they're willing to mm-hmm. pay for it. You know, guys are less likely to, to pay the money sometimes because for whatever reason, they just choose not to. But women, they got more money, you know, and they're and they, they going to buy the stuff they want. You know, they're right. going to say, yeah, I don't care. I want that. I'm going to take it. Right. That's interesting. Uh, so like with these type of things, like I know it's been a while now, people doing sneakers for quite a long time. And I would imagine there's like boom and bust cycles too of this stuff, like where prices get really high, products are very difficult to get and other times where the market sort of sells down. I mean, what, what has usually happened like with sneakers and those boom and busts over the last 20 years? Like in what cycle of the market do you think we're in now? I think we're on a downslope in the market now. Like I mentioned earlier, I think more of your sneaker resellers 
are are going into the crypto and NFT space. So mm-hmm. I think they're taking that capital and and putting it there. So I think you're going to see the value of shoes come down. Um, it, it's been hot for a while, you know, before the pandemic, uh, during the pandemic, in the beginning phases. I mean, it was hot. Shoes were skyrocketing. Every Jordan that was coming out was going for double or triple its its worth, which was crazy. Um, so there right. are cycles, and it's also TikTok doesn't get their uh, their their credit in my opinion. TikTok has TikTok, you follow trends on TikTok, those influencers that will tell you what's cool, that's what's driving the market. So dunks are like really uh-huh. big right now. And it was crazy. My my um my my younger sister who really got me back into uh, uh streetwear and, and brands and that's another story of kind of how I got really sucked back into it, but it was because of her and and she, because she's on TikTok all the time, I talk to her to understand what's happening on TikTok because that predicts the future. And right. then she'll be like, oh, that's not cool no more. And as soon as it's not cool yeah. no more on TikTok, the market goes down because they're not buying it, yeah. right? They're they're the ones that's going crazy, you know? You know? So right. TikTok plays a plays a big role in music, plays a big role in in, in shoes and, and items that are mm-hmm. that are worth it. Um, because of these influencers that, you know, have millions of followers. And then these kids are like, ah, if this person said it was cool, I got to do it. Oh, I got to get it. And and that's how Dunks became a lot bigger recently. Um, and a lot of it has to do with TikTok. So if anybody so, who's interested in learning trends, pay attention to what, you know, what the teenagers are doing on TikTok. And that'll tell you what's about to pop next. Out of, that's interesting you say that. So like you think out of all the apps, the most influential, would you say specifically in like, streetwear and sneakers is is tiktok sad but true i would say i would say yes i mean instagram obviously does a great job facebook Mm. has turned into the grandma and grandpa app you know so i I don't know i don't really know too many people that still you know look at facebook like that um but but yeah instagram obviously is, is still good but yeah tiktok man it's because people doing these dances, people, you know, showcasing product, mm-hmm. they got these advertisements, they're mm-hmm. seeding music, they're doing all these different things that it's become, you know, again, the teenagers, you know, the people that are 13 to 20, 21, those are the ones that's really driving all of these different markets because they're the ones that's going to gonna pay whatever to get get what they want, right? And and I think that's what, what drives a lot of these markets and a lot of these... Uh, the brands, that's what they focus on, right? Because if you get them early at that age, then when they start making money, they'll, they'll be connected to the brand and they'll continue to buy and different things like that. But yeah, I, I think TikTok is very influential. You know, I think uh, I, th- I think you see a lot of that, that that's driving these different markets. Got it. So like it, it, to get a bunch of people to come back in the physical sneaker market, I mean, what do you think it's going to take? It's going to be like crypto like the NFT world sort of simmering down, or is it just going to be like some new big designer that comes in and just kills it and, you know, things kind of um, go viral. I mean, this, this has been, it's, it's actually been, it's been a, a, a bad few, few months with what happened with Travis Scott, um, you know, at his, at his show, his uh, actually got, his, I'm uh, not familiar. The what uh, I heard something. Yeah, so at, there was a shooting. Astro World at Astro World. Um, there were some people that died at his show. Um, like got trampled, and you know it was just too many people there. They didn't have enough crowd control. 
Um, uh-huh. and, and, you know, people died. I think it was like maybe nine people or 10 people uh-huh. passed away. It's like a really Shit. young kid, like nine years old, 10 years old or something like that, which is crazy. Terrible. Why man. they was even at a concert. It's just a whole nother thing. thing. But, <laughs> but anyway, I, I make that comment to say, um, Travis Scott was a big, uh, collaborator and designer with Nike. And because he mm. has such a big following, you know, his shoes would always be worth the most. So this shoe right here was released in Houston for during that weekend, right? This was a, you know, Travis Scott Air Max. Um, and, you know, I think it's a decent looking shoe, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's, it's amazing. But when, when this shoe was, I think this shoe is probably worth about maybe about 300, $400. Mm-hmm. And when the shoe released only there, um, it was, it was going for about 500, $600. Uh, and then the next day, right, this happened at the concert. They they canceled the second day. Nike canceled all of their releases. They had a bunch of Travis Scott shoes they were going to release. They canceled all of it. This shoe was supposed to drop this month, earlier this month. They canceled the release or delayed it. Now this shoe is worth $2,000, right? $1,500 to $2,000, depending on the size. Um, and, and it's because now that that's no longer available. Nike put it on hold. So they only sold a couple hundred of them and they, 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 they canceled the bigger release. And I say the, the, the sneaker world has taken a hit over the last couple of, of months. So you've Travis Scott has been put on hold, basically his collaboration with, I think it was, um, Dior, Christian Dior. I think he had a collaboration coming out with a, a line of stuff. Then they, they, they put that on hold. Nike put all of his stuff on hold. Virgil passing away. You know, Virgil with Off-White, a lot of their collaborations with Nike. So, like, we're losing these great collaborators or or folks that that really help drive the market with their following and their shoes. That um, and there's some new designers that are coming up, and, and there's some others. But I think it 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 it's going to be a little bit slow right now when it comes mm-hmm. to shoes and and just you know what's hot. I think people are also tired of people are tired of missing out to get it for retail and, and paying mm-hmm. that resale price. So if you have less buyers, right, then then that's what's also going to drive the price down with it. Like, screw it. Like my boy, I'm going to China. Right. And I'm just going to wear the fakes. Who cares? Um, I want to get them dirty anyway. You know, so um, so I, I think it, it, it'll it'll come down a little bit. Um, but but shoes are always going to be hot. You know, people are going to want them. You know, people right. are going to get them. I think Nike redesigns itself again. I think Nike's going to end up doing some stuff in the in in, in the metaverse that is going to be innovative and, and amazing. Um, and I think it'll, it'll, it'll bring it back. Cause now if you could merge those two together, it's like, that's a no brainer. If I could buy an NFT mm-hmm. and get the shoe, like have the physical shoe plus the NFT, it's like, what? Crazy, that's yeah. crazy. That's the, the, the utility, right? If you own it, like I, um, right now my profile picture is, is of, um, uh, 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 a Tiffany dunk, right? So, so, so the Tiffany dunk, um, that that was released right there was an amazing shoe that had it there, there's an nft that that came out nikki diamonds dropped an nft and i got his nft and you know and and that's my profile picture like of the pink box like in the sneaker <laughs> world like people know about that so like these worlds are coming together and yeah. i think one of the things he talked about nikki diamonds talked about was having um having uh early release access so if you own his NFT, you're going to have early release access to the things that he's releasing. Now, right. think about that, right? Really hard to get items, really hard to get the shoes. If I own the NFT, I get to buy the shoes early. I really want the shoe. 
I'll buy the NFT and and buy into that community, that utility to have access. So I think that's where we're going to be heading. I think a lot of these designers, um, you know, a lot of these things are really popularity contests. So the people that have bigger followings and their NFTs or their items, their clothes, their stuff, you know, is going to be the one that sells. And I think that's what we're going to be transitioning into. Yeah, the reach gives them a big advantage. So what's the what's a good shoe for uh, a nerdy coin guy <laughs> to make them cool? Huh? What what do I need to buy basically? So I think <laughs> a nerdy coin guy. Um, yeah. I would say I, I would say don't go too crazy, right? Don't right. don't 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 go too wild with the colors. Um, but get something that that is comfortable, right? I think you could go with a with a Jordan one. Um, you know, buy a Jordan one, you know, a nice standard color, maybe like a Royal toe. Um, so that's just blue and black, you know, mm-hmm. a Jordan one, you know, spend about four or $500, maybe 600. Um, and, and that'll be a good shoe. Like people will see you and be like, Oh, he got, he got style. He, he rocking the Royal toes. Like that's a, just a good, it's, it's like, All you right. know, I'm Jordan, a little older. Jordan I'm 40 one, years that old. is right. Jordan one guy will go All with right. a Jordan one. Get a classic color, right? Scott. Get, I get, hope get, you're get, taking notes in there. Yeah, get a get a classic color. You know, get a get a classic color. Like I said, like a royal toe. So nothing, nothing crazy. You don't want like this is too much. Yeah, you're I a can't. Nerdy coin guy, like this is too much. Like, yeah, where you going I can't. With this? I can't rock those, man. <laughs> yeah, like where you going with that? Like that's that. You, <laughs> Can you imagine me you going on? to a coin show, showing up with that? People no, be like, oh, forget about this they're guy. They're gonna they're gonna charge you double for your coins. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I exactly. think I think you go with a Jordan one, um, a nice standard colorway, and and I think you'll be good. Cool. So what? Okay, for investment now. So what? What is the one shoe like? If I I want to put it aside and say, hey, I really want to just stash the shoe away. I'm not going to wear it. I'm going to keep it in mint condition, just as an investment, and see like what the market winds up being in 10, 15 years. That's a great question. Um, man, I think. I'm going to go with Virgil. I think Virgil Abloh and his off-white collection. I think the shoes that were that were designed by him before he passed away, mm-hmm. I think that has the potential to skyrocket in 10 or 15 years from Interesting. Now. Early stuff right. or early stuff I would go later. with early stuff. He has uh-huh. a collection called the 10. That was his first collaboration with Nike. Um, I would look at that. Now, those is already expensive. They're not cheap now. Um, so you're going to spend, you know, a few hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, depending mm-hmm. on the shoe. But I would look at the Virgil 10 collection. I would look at any off-white shoes that, you know, Nike collaboration um, that that have come out, um, you know, while he was alive. You know, um, I think those have the potential to really be that item um, because he's done so much for the culture from an art perspective, right? And 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 how he transitioned and brought so many different things into the space that I think his items from, you know, that he designed, because they're still going to release stuff that he worked on or whatever, mm-hmm. but like he was so, uh, so much of a perfectionist that mm-hmm. he would, he would stop a release because it didn't have what he wanted it to have. I think buying a pair of his shoes that he released while he was alive, I think that has, and pay the resale value now. Because mm-hmm. you know a lot of these things are hard to get, so I don't want to be right. like, oh yeah, go get go get this from the store. Like, nah, it's not at the store, so it's worth um, it. Yeah. But I would pay resale for some of his stuff today. Um, another one, uh, Kobe Bryant. So again, it's like, man, the late greats, right? The people that mm-hmm. pass away. Um, Kobe Bryant, his shoes. 
I think right now are at a good value. Uh, Nike just announced, so, you know, they separated the partnership, you know, his wife, Nike, um, Kobe was leaving Nike. He was planning on leaving Nike and doing his own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and they just, they just, you know, kind of separated him, uh, Nike and, and, and his, the Kobe estate and his wife, you know, and all of that. Um, so there's, they stopped making Kobe's. So I think bigger sizes and Kobe shoes and you know, a lot of the NBA players play in Kobe's and, and they're trying to get them. I think that goes up in value over uh-huh. the next five years. Um, Got it. I think Kobe shoes, you know, Nike Kobe shoes are going to be like, man, you got that shoe. Like, oh my goodness. Like all my Kobe's they're in the vault. Like I'm not doing nothing with those. I'm not touching those. I'm not wearing those. That's just art. That's like, this guy is one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, and it's crazy because for me, you know, I'm a I'm a Knicks fan and, and all of these players destroyed the Knicks. Um, and I didn't like them when they really played, you know, but right, after right. they retired, I had more value. If you'd ask yeah. me in 90, 98, if I would be walking around with a Jordan shirt on, that would be crazy. That's <laughs> like, why would you do that? He destroys your team all the time. Um, but yeah, I but think, as a collector, I think you can appreciate it, right? Oh, and then yeah. also just, you know, you appreciate people for their design their work ethic, the value, the things that right. they put into it. I think those designers are are the best ones to go after for shoes. And again, Kobe is one, you know, had a, a big say in, in what got released. Um, and then, like I said, Virgil, I think those are the items that if, you know, I'm investing in and not, those are the ones I'm holding on to. Like those I don't have for sale. Like don't ask me, there's not a price for those. I think the market is low on those and those will go up over time for sure. Wow. Well, Anthony, it's been a pleasure, man. This whole thing is like, it, it's not only, it's educational for me, but also it's a big reason why I, I decided to do this whole podcasting thing is because, you know, I just, I genuinely have an interest in, in the collector mindset and, and what makes a collector really great at building collections and, and look, and also the investment aspects of it as well. But definitely I, I'm super excited. I got a chance to talk to you and how do we find you, man? How do how do people go out there and find you? Are you on you you mentioned you're on Instagram, so maybe you just uh, yeah. Us- from a from a sneaker perspective, uh, my Instagram is Tony Rock Supreme, so T O N Y R O C K Supreme. Um, so that's my Instagram. Uh, I don't post everything there, but I do have some stuff posted there. Uh, and then just from a professional perspective, I'm on LinkedIn. Aunt Billups, mm-hmm. Anthony Billups. Um, that's me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, you, professionally, you'll see me with a bow tie <laughs> yeah. and and you know all, I know. all dressed up. You're and an executive. Yeah, you know, but but you gotta have fun. I think you know. Last thing I'll say is, you know, when you're a collector and it brings you back to your childhood, it 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 makes you have fun, no, right? And yeah. you can be who you are. You can take off the mask. You can you can be honest. Uh, you know, as a as a collector, and and not be ashamed that you love something so much as you know basketball cards or comic books or sneakers and it's like how old are you you know but it it makes us feel young again and i think that's the really cool part in today's world um to to find things that still make you feel like you're a teenager right um and those are the things that that i love and and i i love to spend time with definitely man well it's been a pleasure i'm happy you guys you came down and gave us some of your time no doubt thanks for having me all right take it easy